I want us today to kind of walk through a little bit of a different um, approach on purpose with the morning. So I'm just going to ask if you would just be seated. And typically, we conclude in this challenge of worship, which we won't do today, and I'll explain why. Um, there are just a few things that I felt like the Lord was stirring in my heart in preparation for where to go today, and I want to just initiate that right up front. You may or may not realize, um, but we were the um, north, yeah, we would be the north warehouse for the city of Moore when the big tornado came through. In fact, um, through all of that, we were building this building at that time, and our, our community suffered great loss, and I'm driving us toward uh, a compassionate response together as a family for Louisiana right now, just so you know where I'm going this morning. Um, but a portion of our community suffered great loss. They were devastated, and then the rest of us in the community that weren't impacted by the tornado, we began to partner and, and rally efforts to try and make a difference. And um, it was really uh, just amazing to experience that as a church family. Um, I've, I've, something like 75 semi-loads of products and services, and uh, sorry, not services, products, uh, water, food, that sort of thing is all transacted through this building into this community. And our church family organized all of that. In fact, our warehouse director was Jason Baffrey at that point, um, back in that particular day, who's sitting right here on the second row. Um, I have a picture of what this building looked like with 90 semi-loads of stuff transacting through. Um, that is, that's what we were in that season of time. We were the city of Moore warehouse. And it was really just amazing to be able to serve hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families over the course of time in a way that met specific needs where people were in crisis. So it's interesting because we learned a lot through that process and I want to kind of explain a few things about it when I, as I encourage you how we as a church can help with those suffering in Louisiana. Number one, Louisiana isn't a specific portion of a community, entire cities have suffered the loss of power and water. So there's not like a portion of the city that can help the other part of the city in crisis. And these communities outlying around and away from New Orleans, uh, like Hammond, Louisiana, which is a city that we have a connection to, a church there that we help oversee, calls us their spiritual covering. They're in the midst of this, and all attention has gone to New Orleans and so many of these communities are getting very little support or help during this time. It's gotten very intense. Uh, you can imagine without power, without water, uh, there's now been some looting. They're pulling guns at gas stations. There's food shortage, gas shortage. I mean, I'm so glad that we're in a place where we're not dealing with that right here in Oklahoma City. But let's not just be untouched by that reality going on in our nation right now especially when we have an opportunity to help. And so, just I don't mean this as a shot or a negative, but I think it's important to mention, and I hope you'll understand my heart. We learned in the process of working here that the Red Cross, which is an amazing 
uh, organization showed up in an immediate response to a disaster situation. And they set up shop and immediately gave a, a, a response in those first days. But what happens, the Red Cross shows up, everybody thinks about the Red Cross and they want to make a difference in Oklahoma City, so they gave money. You might remember uh, KD gave a million dollars to the Red Cross uh, right when that happened. But the Red Cross was only here for days and then they're on to another crisis. So the money to help in Oklahoma City is with the Red Cross and what they provided, they provided, and it was wonderful. But then we as a church remained for months going into these places, helping these families, care packages, car packages. Uh, many of you were part of that. So there's this church that we work with, Scott and Crystal Boney in Hammond, Louisiana, and they are the distribution center now in Hammond, Louisiana, right there on the highway. And um, 100% of everything we do to help them is going to go right into that community long term. It's a wonderful thing to be able to provide food, water, supplies to people that are in a crisis situation. Would you agree? It's even better to provide a relationship with an ongoing church in that community that will be able to share the love and the life of Christ long term. And those families will have an organization or a family to look to in the course of time. We want to empower them. So I want to invite you uh, in your giving, as you give your tithes, your offerings to the Lord online, however you do that in our giving stations, through your bank draft, uh, I would encourage you to give in benevolence uh, tomorrow morning, we're working with other churches in this. Tomorrow morning, a semi will leave. They've received semis already. Uh, tomorrow morning, an, uh, another semi load will leave. It will arrive tomorrow night. Um, and they are distributing to those in need in that area. And then in addition to that semi, we're going to send them several thousand dollars according to how people um, choose to give. And we want to try and empower them. They actually have mobilized runners on the ground right there in Hammond, Louisiana, ready to go to the nearest communities that actually still have power and supplies, and they're going to drive out, pick up those supplies, come immediately back, and try and minister to these families that are suffering so very much. So I would invite you. We're going to pray for Louisiana. It's important. But the Bible says don't just say go be blessed. It says put something in their hand. So I would invite you to participate in your giving this week particularly. So Father, we're asking in the midst of all that's taking place across all of Louisiana, of the places that have been affected. I pray, Lord, ultimately you would draw every person's heart and attention to you in this process. I thank you for the love of Christ that's demonstrated by the church at work when we as the church step into our God-given role to have compassionate hearts and generous giving, living, serving, loving. I pray, Lord, that that would be the case and uh, we just pray, Lord, for power to be restored, for water to be replenished, and for a ministry to take place in a way that would truly draw people's attention to you through all of this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Together we really can make a difference. It was incredible uh, here receiving semis from Rhode Island that had driven in to bring us supplies. And uh, it was really quite a phenomenal time for us as a church family. Very impactful just to be a part of making a difference. So I encourage you. Let, we know what that's like. Let's jump in and be a part of that. Uh, Tracy and I sure want to as well. So um, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm gonna, I want us to talk about a portion of Scripture out of the book of Romans. I want to give you a little bit of a picture of the book of Romans and the culture that the Apostle Paul was writing to when he's speaking to Christians who lived in Rome. Uh, 
Um, the context of that is important, and I think it'll be helpful in your understanding a little bit of what's taken place. You might realize that <clears throat> the book of Romans is actually the crux of Luther's revolt and uh, Martin Luther who stepped out basically Martin Luther observed a scenario where he saw the religious elite taking religious control of religious people and Luther said wait a second the Bible says in the book of Romans the just shall live by faith not by all the confession requirements not by all the penance not by all the things that the religious elite of my day are requiring and so Luther then led something of a protest or a revolt the protest is where we get our word protestant protestant that's the essence of this born from the book of Romans um, the whole idea of the book of Romans is actually written to dismantle the perspective of the religiously elite that had held captive the work of God on the earth and so here Paul is writing saying hey this is no longer just for the Jews but now this is for Gentiles as well He's writing into a community and a culture where Roman domination had very much frustrated these Christians. And they were ready for a, uh, a military warrior Messiah who was the descendant of King David who knew how to go out and kick some tail for the kingdom of God. You know, that's, I mean, that was the mindset of what they were looking for. Bring the Messiah on and get these Romans off of our backs. That's what they were longing for. And Paul writes a letter that doesn't accommodate that reaction, but rather deepens a response where the Lord would actually start to, to reveal the nature of God. And I want us to go there, and I'm going to read the portion of Scripture we're going to talk about today, and I want you to realize that the power of God's Word is actually in His Word, not in the message that I can construct, uh, not in the jokes that I might tell, or the funny video that we're going to watch, uh, whatever that, that may uh, look like. But Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 16, let's lean in and just allow uh, the... I'm trying to learn this on my own. God's word has the power to transform your life. I've overdosed on drugs twice. I was living a hellion life far away from God. And the power of God's presence and the truth of his word transformed my soul. I am not the man I used to be. Anybody in this room can relate. That transformation didn't happen in our lives because we got religious. Religion will not change you. But the power of God's word by his spirit, that's what will transform us. So let's lean into that as we're together as a church family looking into the lens of scripture, seemingly unlike what the church of our generation has done. It's made the Bible more of a, uh, you know, an item of, of topic for us to come up with clever messages but let's really engage in the power of his word Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 16 considering all the con context I've shared this is Paul's words I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world this world of domination do not be conformed to that verse 9 he goes on let love be genuine abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor 
Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. Key word here. Seek to show hospitality. Would everybody please say hospitality? hospitality. Very important. Verse 14 in this in this culture of being dominated and frustrated, he then says, bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. In this context of the Roman culture, citizenship of Rome was greatly desired. Uh, incredible pursuit of power and prestige and, and, and position. It was all a part of the hierarchy of this particular mindset. And what does he say? Associate with the lowly. Now, it's pretty important that you and I not just kind of sail through this world and through our lives and, and hope things are good, you know, spiritually, but we have an incredible opportunity, privilege, and responsibility because of Luther's revelation and the Protestant Reformation. Uh, we actually have the opportunity to step into the presence of God Almighty on our own. How many of you are thankful that you actually can experience God any time of the day or of the week, seven days a week, 24 hours a day? I'm so thankful the presence of God is readily available for us. So what we have to learn to do then is allow the Lord to have his way as we participate with that. So getting into the word and spending time in prayer is not like a religious obligation. It's a tremendous opportunity that we have. And so we're trying to equip and empower the church to do this as effectively as possible. I checked it just to make it uh, as easy as I can. But I want to I ask you to write down the link, pay attention to it, put it in your phone, whatever. But if you just go to our website, Destiny OKC, and you do a forward slash and all one word, Jesus in the Bible, Jesus in the Bible, then you will find an explanation of each of the 66 books of the Bible resembling what I just shared, only a 30-minute or so conversation of how Jesus is uniquely revealed in the Bible. Isn't it interesting that Jonah was in the belly of the whale how many days? Three days. And that is a type and a shadow that one day Jesus would come and he would be in the grave how many days? Three days. I mean, this is throughout the Scripture. Jesus is revealed in every single book of the Bible and amazingly, uh, a book like Leviticus that most of us just kind of buzz through because it's all about the law. That was my favorite of these 66 messages that I spoke. I mean, it was, it was amazing how Jesus is revealed in a book that most people neglect. Isn't that kind of like the kingdom of God and the gospel of Christ? God would hide that which is the most rewarding and that which is the most unassuming. And so I would encourage you, Jesus in the Bible. I actually Googled it, all one word, just to see what happened when I Googled it, if you have a hard time remembering. Just Google all one word Jesus in the Bible and it'll be the first thing that pops up in your Google feed and there's a 60 second explanation of how to every day just turn the page read your Bible with a very you know just a brief devotion every single day and when you get to each book of the Bible go and listen to the context just like what I'm explaining with Romans and each of those books are explained with history so that you understand what you're reading and how, how you're going to find Jesus in the book the word of God begins to come to life and I'm amazed 
amazed at how many people have sent us messages, uh, those that are here locally, those that are online. So glad to have an online family with us. People are sending messages just saying they're growing in their relationship with God's Word. Come on, that's what this is all about. We don't want to make you more religious. We want to make you more Christ-like. Jesus knew the Word of God. When the enemy came to him, what did he say? It is written. You can't fight the enemy if you don't know what is written. So you've got to be in the Word to be everything God's called you to be. So let me encourage you in this. I want to mobilize you to be who God's called you to be. That is my passion. I am not a professional uh, ministry leader. I did not go to seminary. Thank God for those who did, and that was their journey. But part of what God asked me to do, coming out of my crazy past and coming to know the Lord, was he wanted me to stand up from a perspective that maybe didn't have all of the qualifications some people might expect, and he wanted me to be used by him in a way that other people would look at me, scratch their head, and say, are you kidding? God can use that? Like, I guess if God can use him, then maybe he can use me. Anybody here might think you qualify for this particular uh, scenario in life, that like you would be a person that people would not expect God to use, and if God could use you, then maybe there's hope for them. I hope you're tracking where I'm going. The Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's like my theme verse right there. And so that word foolish in the Greek language is moros. And so I'm so thankful God is looking for morons. How about you? Like he's just looking for anybody that'll give their life to him. Come on, let's do, let's just thank the Lord for that. Let's just declare it in Jesus' name in agreement. We want to be used by God. We don't have to have it all together. I want to encourage you, you don't have to have it all together to be used mightily by God. In fact, because you don't have it all together, that qualifies you to be used mightily by God in the lives of other people who don't have it all together. So there's this dismantling of that which is religiously elite in the book of Romans in a power play culture and society and and God is trying to mobilize the church to be who God's called them to become. So I thought of this in preparation for today. I've just been praying into this and been really excited about this particular idea that I want to share. Most of you have not heard of the concept of Newpedia. Newpedia uh, was launched in the year 2000. It was an online encyclopedia idea that never gained any traction, never took off, and uh, lasted for about three years, Newpedia actually selected some of the world's greatest scholars, professors, historians, I mean the elite of the elite. You had to have certain measures of qualifications to be a part of the Newpedia uh, online encyclopedia uh, editing team. And so they worked so arduously and so faithfully and so diligently to make sure every bit of their information was precise and accurate. And they worked so meticulously at the pursuit of perfection. Please hear what I'm saying. That over the course of three years, they only produced 24 articles. They, they did it so well, it produced gridlock. And they were gaining no traction, and you're not going to produce an online encyclopedia when you leave it in the hands of a few elite professionals rather than mobilizing more people to get involved. Anybody have an idea where I'm driving with this of an online encyclopedia idea that might involve common, normal, ordinary, average Joe Americans, as would be the case in America, like you and me? 
right? This is called Wikipedia, right? Wikipedia actually came and emerged the year after Newpedia. Wikipedia was the concept, hey, let's stop trying to leave this only in the hands of professionals. Let's get average, normal, ordinary people mobilized to places of passion that they have. If they have an area they want to study, then we want them to study it out and then submit what their research is to our online editors. We will vet that process, but suddenly thousands and thousands and thousands of articles from wiki writers started coming in. You know what wiki stands for? W-I-K-I. What I know is W-I-K-I, Wikipedia. In other words, you don't have to know a lot, but if you have passion in a specific area, then you study that out and then you share, hey, well, what I know is this. 24 articles in three years Newpedia, make sure I say it correctly. It seems outrageous. I want to look at my, my notes before I say it. 24 articles in three years, Newpedia, in just one year with Wikipedia, 20,000 articles. How many of you think it was a much more effective way to mobilize the pursuit of information by getting average, normal people involved in a process of trying to feed the world Bits of information about specific areas to study. Absolutely the case. That's why I want to talk to you today. I believe that we've stepped into a season of the church where God wants to mobilize ordinary individuals like you and me to more effectively represent and reflect the love and the life of Jesus Christ. I want to give you some practical ideas about how to do that. But I, I want to talk to you today about a message entitled, Wikipedia Church. I, I want to take ministry out of the hands of the professionals. And, and, and let me just make sure you understand, I am not against absolute education, academia, uh, theology. We need all of that. It's just that that's not God. Jesus is Lord. And I look in the book of Acts, and what I see is Wikipedia Christianity being mobilized in the book of Acts, and you've got disciples that were uneducated, and like the educated elite were looking at them saying, uh, these people have no education, but they've been with Jesus, and like they're doing crazy, powerful, amazing, turn the world upside down things. This is the New Testament church God's called us to be. I'm just encouraging you. We're going to talk, I think next week, we're, we're debating a little bit, maybe the week after now, but, but we're going to be talking about the importance of our gathering together. Aren't you glad you came together and we gather on this holiday weekend? I'm glad you're here. I didn't know if anybody would show up on this holiday weekend, but you did, and it's great. Glad to have our online community with us as well. There's something profound, significant about our gathering together and worshiping the Lord, and we want to talk about that, and we want to evaluate that and look at a deeper understanding of the value of that. But I want want you to hear me say loud and clear, you don't have to invite somebody to church to lead them to Jesus and share the love of God with them in your life. In fact, it's a misnomer to think you have to invite people to a building when church is not a building. You are the church. You can't go to church because you are the church. Our heart is for you to become the church. So everywhere we go, Wikipedia Christianity is happening all over the world. That's the plan. This is the mobilized plan that we see according to the word of God. God is transforming the church of our generation. We're, I'm so thankful we get to work with churches now 
all over the world. I mean, we're starting to connect more and more and more. We help oversee networks of churches and other nations of the world, partnering in many processes. And what I'm observing and learning as I walk this out, and it's shifting in me, and you're hearing it under the sound of my voice on the Sundays when I'm speaking as a part of our teaching team, but there's something shifting in the body of Christ in this particular hour of the church. And what I'm looking at in the Western world church and what I'm looking at in the rest of the world church is a real discrepancy and a distinction and I'm stepping back saying, all right, so we have the Bible, and it's the blueprint of Scripture, and then we have the church, and it's the structure that we've built. I want to know, does the blueprint of Scripture resemble the structure of what we've built? Because where we've gotten it right, I want to celebrate, but where we've gotten it wrong, I want to renovate. How about you? Let's step into more of what God desires for us to become. And so what's happening, particularly in the, in the Western world church, God is transforming rooms full of consumers who love listening to ministers to become rooms full of ministers who love listening to God. And I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to leave this church, and I've been serving here for a long time. 31 years we've been serving the ministry uh, here at Destiny. And I, I love the opportunity to speak, and I look in the book of Acts, and I see that the New Testament church was born from preaching, taking place on the day of Pentecost. I in no way want to undermine that part of who we are as the body of Christ, and the gathering is important. But I also realize, folks, the church in many ways, the congregational families in our nation have sold their birthright to the clergy of the Western world church, and they've relinquished their role of responsibility, understanding their own anointing, their own giftedness, their own power that the Holy Spirit wants to awaken within them that they might go out and fulfill the Great Commission individually rather than just relinquishing it, saying, well, we do that organizationally, I go to that church. No, 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 you are going to answer to God personally, individually, for how you manage the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, welcome to Wikipedia Christianity, where you're being mobilized to your passion, and everybody's passion looks different. So, the book of Romans shows us how ordinary people are a powerful part of God's extraordinary plan. And it looks different for every person. Some people in this room love to meet people and talk to people. I'm that guy. How many of you in here love, like if we uh, just had a time to get together and I said, hey, let's all stand up and chat, you would be the, one of the first ones up looking for who you could talk to. Raise your hand if that's you, okay? How many of you would like sit there a little extra and hope nobody came over and talked to you? Go ahead, raise your hand. Right. See, the first group, uh, I said, you know, who, who wants to go talk to people? And you're like, yeah. And then the second group, you're like, yeah. <laughs> you just want less attention. This, this is not right or wrong. This is just different mechanism and design. Learning your design and cooperating with your design is a really important part of the kingdom of God and Wikipedia Christianity being mobilized to fulfill what God's called you to fulfill. Not just aligning with this is the church I attend. We are the church. Be you. You be you. And it's different. So I thought we might celebrate a couple of uh, modern-day spiritual heroes right here among us in the Destiny family. Um, you know, last week I saw this in kids' ministry. I'm so thankful for our kids' pastors, kids' leaders, kids' ministry teams. Thank you for serving in kids' ministry. And uh, I want to just celebrate a couple of our kids' ministry leaders from last Sunday in their own very unique gifted selves. Well, good morning, D-Kids. It's D -D Doug the Digger. Great to see you guys again. Here with us today is our buddy, Seabass the Surfer. 
What's up, D kids? Good to see you at church today. Can't wait to see you at 9.30. Make sure to come in at 9.30 or 11.30, and we got a special surprise for you. Bye! Wow, is that amazing? That is amazing. <laughs> we got Angel on the front row who's Doug the Digger. Is that what the character is, Doug the Digger? Doug the Digger. Doug the Digger. That's what I hear. Now, yeah, yeah, not that he's really him. He's like Batman, and you don't really know who it is when he's got his wig on. Uh, but I think, you know, Kevin Nietzsche was the other sea bass dude. And I, when I saw that video, I just thought to myself, not many dudes can pull off a onesie. I mean, that was a phenomenal onesie. I think, I think Dave Fulver should wear a onesie next Sunday to church to celebrate his own gifted life. Uh, I'm kind of blown away by Kevin Nietzsche and his crazy self when he shows up and the different things going on. I mean, he is a loud personality. He's online. They're out of town this weekend. He said he was going to watch because I told him I was going to expose him to the fullest. Um, but, you know, he's a loud character, and, and that's part of his gift, part of his, the way he processes. That's not going to be everybody else's gift. You might say to yourself, I don't know if God can use me. I don't have a onesie in my closet. That, that might be a conclusion that you draw, but you don't have to draw that conclusion. I just want to say, you be you. And what happens in church is we prop up various leaders from varying perspectives and we point to them and talk about how awesome their ministry gift is and in doing so, we fuel the fire of inadequacy that exists in the rest of our lives. You don't have to be like somebody else and in fact, even if you successfully become like somebody else, you're failing to know who you truly are. God made you to be you. He didn't make you to be a copy. He made you to be an original. So be true to you. You are uniquely equipped by God for powerful personal ministry in your everyday life. And that flows from your own God-given design. If you like to talk, then congratulations, you like to talk. If you don't like to talk, then congratulations, you don't like to talk. You don't have to become something that God never intended you to be in order to be used by God. And that's the misnomer that we all tend to kind of have in our mind. Like, I'm just not enough to be used by God. I have to be different to be used by God. No, you actually just have to be you to be used by God. God's never going to anoint the person you think you should be. He's never going to anoint the person other people think you should be. He's only going to anoint the person he designed you to be so you be you. Watch and see what God might do as you walk out with that sense of confidence in your own identity. So pay attention because you be you and here's how it works. I mean, it's really simple. We overcomplicate something that is so simple, and Jesus came to simplify it. Watch for grace and follow favor. Watch for grace and follow favor. Can we just all say that together? Say it out loud. Watch for grace and follow favor. How many of you ever had an interaction with somebody and it lacked grace and favor and it was obvious there was no connection there? Anybody ever that, that way? Uh, and then the, the opposite. You have a conversation or an interaction or a chance meeting with somebody and there's a sense of grace and favor to that conversation. 
you just have to understand God works atmospherically. He prepares us to step into an atmospheric expression and experience where we discern, oh, the Lord's in this thing. And so many times you'll have a conversation with a coworker, some bump into chance relationship, and you'll sense just a special measure of grace and a special measure of favor. That's because you are discerning by design. And when you sense that and you know that, pause and press into that. Don't just keep rushing through your day. Pay attention to the grace and follow the favor and see what God might want to do. Now, this is important, and I'm, just, I'm giving a little bit of coaching today. It's a little different approach than what we typically do, but I feel like this is very, very important for us to understand. This is not in your notes. It's not online on our live notes, but it's something worth writing down. You should probably post it on your social media because it is a powerful statement, and it's very challenging to modern-day religious ideology today. Because it's just not what we typically do as a Christian. So here's the statement. God is not trying to draw people into your beliefs. God is trying to draw people into his love. And because we think it's our responsibility to get people to believe the way we believe, we wind up taking argumentative approaches to conversation as if it's my responsibility to change what a person believes. That is not my responsibility. My responsibility is not to love. Uh, my responsibility is not to change any of you. My responsibility is to love all of you. You're not, your responsibility is not to change anybody. It's to love everybody. And so pay attention to the grace, follow the favor, and have loving conversations. Not conversations trying to persuade somebody of what to believe. Not, I sense grace here. Do you know Jesus died on the cross for you and you're going to spend eternity in hell if you do not accept him today? I love you. I mean, if the Lord gives you direction to do that, that's the only reason you should say something like that. Your job's not to change people. Your job is to love people. Love them well. And what you do is when you sense fault, when you sense that grace and that favor, you simply engage conversationally to love them well, not to change a disposition. They might not vote like you. They might have all kinds of different ideas and thoughts. And I, I've just learned this about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad. How about you? He doesn't require us to get all cleaned up and taken care of before he takes us in. He takes us in, and that in and of itself is what cleans us up and takes care of the business in our lives. I was such an idiot when I first came to know the Lord. So arrogant, so prideful. I'm still kind of an idiot, and I'm serving the Lord, and I still deal with this arrogance and this pride, but I'm constantly bringing it to the Lord, saying, oh, Lord, would you make me more like you, and less like I used to be, more like I'm going to be, as I reflect the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, now that is honesty that the world can comprehend and understand. Don't have to act like you have it all together, because you don't. The gospel shouldn't be built on a deceptive form of persuasion, but rather it should be built on the true love of Jesus Christ. So this week I'm just encouraging, focus on personal ministry to people as you search for grace and follow the favor as God is providing to show you the way. Jesus is the master at converting something that is so mundane, like a simple conversation of compassion, into something that becomes so powerfully used by God. But listen carefully, it requires sacrifice. 
What's the context of the culture of Rome? It's a pecking order. It's the pursuit of power. It's citizenship. Oh, you have Roman citizenship. Wow, you must have paid a great price for that. No, I was actually born in Rome. Whoa, you were actually born in Rome. I mean, this is, the, this is what they were experiencing. In the Rome, I mean, the Romans, they were so oppressive. And what does Paul say in the midst of all this? Stop trying to feel and act like you're big or like you're something. And just Lessen yourself before the hand of God and see what God might do. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, the sacrificial essence. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't give in to the system of this world as your way of thinking and the way you're trying to even represent God. There's something so much more that God desires. When you and I just have a conversation and we express our compassion and we invite Jesus to the table of that conversation, I want you to think about it. Like we're just coming to the table, not with a goal of trying to change somebody's belief, but just to love them well. When you and I invite Jesus to a table, the table becomes an altar and our lives become the offering and biblical hospitality produces the ministry that actually will release something in the lives of everyone around the table, including you. This is the crazy thing. Like Sharing the gospel is not you going out and changing the world. It's like you going out and being changed. I mean, I am so blessed anytime I have the opportunity to love somebody well and like they feel blessed and loved. I mean, it's more blessed. Have you heard that before? It's more blessed to... Give than it is to receive. God's doing a work in you in this entire process. And he describes this so well as he continues in this chapter. Let love be genuine. I want to encourage you, be authentic, be genuine. Don't act like you've got you know, something that you don't. Just be honest. <laughs> I struggle. Anybody here struggle? How many just raise your hand high if you struggle with sin? Can I just see? Raise your hand high. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all were like, oh, well, okay, yeah, here we go. Uh, I mean, we, just be authentic, be genuine. I mean, we're all in this earth suit trying to navigate through this, and hopefully we're struggling with some of the things we struggled with before less than we are now, but the Bible says, he says he's without sin, is deceived. And so we're walking this out together, and we do that in honesty. Let your love be genuine. Stop faking it. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Contribute to the needs of the saints and show hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Oh, man. Lord, deepen our uh, response. Lessen our reaction. That's what this is. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. So when we're reading the book of Acts and we're looking at the blueprint of Scripture and the church Jesus is desiring to build for the generation in which we live, it's the post-Pentecost church out of the book of Acts in the New Testament where we see hospitality being such a central message to the love of Jesus Christ. Hospitality became that. In fact, it's interesting. Um, you, 
know much about church history, you know, you know, immediate persecution happened after Jesus, and then the church began to be persecuted, the scattering of the church. People were burned at the stake. People were oppressed, beaten, sought in half, bodies sought in half right in front of other family members. How many of you know, you can say you believe in God, but when somebody starts sawing your body in half, you really are going to believe in God, or you're going to say, ah, just kidding, <laughs> leave me alone. Uh, and so, I mean, this is pretty crazy what was going on, amazing persecution, and then the emperor constantly of, of Rome becomes a Christian, like he accepted Christ. So he reverses the order and he says, okay, everybody, it's now legal. Christians can share their faith. Christianity is legalized. And when that happened, Christianity not only was legalized, it became mobilized. And these Christians started ministering in such a rare expression of hospitality and compassion that they took hold of communities all throughout that region. It was amazing what began to happen. People started coming to Christ left and right. Do you know it is not hard for people to know the heart of God when they see the love of Christ? I want to say it again. It is not hard for people to know the heart of God when they see the love of Christ. That is key. That's what happened, and landslide revival began to take place. And then, some 20 years later, uh, the next, you know, this Emperor Julian steps in and he returns to, to power, or he steps into power and he says, We're going to return Rome back to pagan worship. He started funding the building of these pagan temples and, and pagan worship. But the culture wasn't shifting for him. Like this landslide movement happened where all these Christians started loving people, and then he, uh, Julian tried to return and say, hey, we're not going to have all this Christianity stuff going on here. We're going to go back to it. And it wouldn't turn for him. He was very frustrated. And in fact, he wrote in a letter, and I want to read what he wrote, because it's utterly significant to Wikipedia Christianity and what we're talking about. Julian writes, these Galileans, they support not only their poor, but they support ours as well. It will be impossible to get control of society when Christians are so involved. Huh. What is this emperor saying? When the church is mobilized in the power of the love of Jesus Christ, the heart of God will permeate through society in such a way it will arrest the attention of humanity and people are going to come to know the love of God Almighty. Their lives will be changed. Come on, go and make disciples of nations. That means we go out in our everyday normal Wikipedia Christianity life, people within your five-foot circle, you stop trying to persuade them to believe a certain way and just start loving them well. Western world church hasn't gotten this all the way it needs to. And the Holy Spirit's helping to adjust and address to take us into this greater understanding of what the Lord has desired for us to step into. We in the Western world church, in many ways, we've tried to reduce Christianity to a self-serving religion. This is not about a self-serving religion. This is about a compassionate expression of the love of God who loves the world, doesn't hate the world, loves the world so much he sent his son to save the world, still sending sons and daughters into the world, not to go out and change everybody, but to go out and love everybody. And as a result... What would God do? So last thing I want to say to you as I give you your commission today. Hospitality is a people-centered attitude of loving God by loving others. That's what hospitality is. It's a people-centered attitude of loving God by loving others. And listen, 
You be you. You be you. Search for grace. Follow the favor. And your action point this week, this week, look for grace, look for favor in conversations that you're having. Follow favor, purposing to invite whatever person you sense that favor with into just a deeper conversation. Not a debate, not a discussion to change what they believe, but just love them well. Just deeper level of relationship. Questions about how they are, where they are, where they've come from, what their life is. Just get to know them because you love them and see what God might do. How many believe we have not relied on the power of the Holy Spirit because we've leaned into our own efforts of persuasion in many ways? I'm really preaching way better than your... I mean, I figured y'all would dance and shout and jump over the chairs today, but you're doing fine. We're going to get there. And the Lord's going to mobilize us right into everything he's called us to. Normally, by now, you know, is our, our, our typical uh, approach. I will have already cued the worship team. They would come up. There'd be music going right now. And I would encourage you that we would bring our hearts before the Lord. And then we would conclude with a, a few moments of worship as we just take what God's stirring in our heart and we bring it to the Lord in worship. And that's a beautiful thing. Would you agree? I love that part of, of how we function as a church service. But we're not going to do that today. And the reason we're not going to do that today is because I want this to be a very clear commission. The folks, you are Wikipedia Christians. And I don't want to, I don't want to bring the professionals up, if you will. I'm not against that at all. I love our worship. But, but my point is simply this. I want all focus to be on us average, normal, everyday, ordinary Christian people. And I'm going to, I'm going to commission you in a few moments, to walk out that door and to be the Christians God's called you to be all week long. Not something that you aren't, but everything that you are as you walk this out and you be you in the way you uh, fulfill your God-given assignment. So just open your heart. Would you just respond to him? Jesus, I thank you that you're here. This is all worthless if it's not about you. It's all worthless if it is about you and we don't even invite you to come and seal the deal and awaken things within us. This is not about dead, empty religion where we're trying to cultivate and conform behavior. But it's about an interaction with our Heavenly Father that we have incredible opportunity to interact with through Jesus Christ, your Son. Thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to rescue all humanity. The only way to God the Father is through the blood of Jesus. What a privilege to experience your presence and the power of your spirit when we gather like this and celebrate your word. We sense that you're doing something within us to activate and awaken us to be more of the men and women of God that you've designed us to be. Help us, Lord, to cooperate with that, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe Jesus is Lord, would you just say out loud, amen.